Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. And we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. We're trusting that God's word is going to be in the heart of our message this morning and for him to speak to each of us. This morning, we're going to be continuing our legacy series and, and we would like to uh, talk about Deborah. Deborah is this incredible leader who, and she has left the world this legacy of leadership. In a time when the world is crying out for real leadership, leadership that is wise, brave, servant-hearted and strong, we are reminded by God that his children lived through a time with the same needs. And it is in that setting that we find a woman, a woman whose name is Deborah. She was the fourth judge in Israel and the only female in a group of 12 judges. Samuel was the author of the book of Judges. He wrote the book to tell us what God did through these great leaders. Judges led Israel between the period of when Moses and Joshua, the deliverers, had called them out of Egypt into Cana. And it was the period before they had the kings, King Saul, King David. We had this period of the judges. It's about 200 years before King David came to the throne. The book of Judges is written when the world was in a mess. There is a lot of fighting. God's people are fighting with the nations that are surrounding them. And judges were raised up by God. When this book opens, we read how Joshua is dead and the children of Israel have not followed God and cleared the land Tribe after tribe leaves some inhabitants in their area. And the very thing happens that God told them not to do. They intermarry and the children of Israel fall into the trap of worshipping other gods. They undertake all the defiling acts that come with these beliefs. Today we are turning our focus on Deborah Deborah was a leader of the children of Israel and she was known for her high moral character. We're going to start in Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 4 and 5 specifically deal with Deborah's story. But we need to understand what was the history of God's children in the time leading up to Deborah becoming their judge. Judges 1.1 starts with, After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, which tribe should go first to attack the Canaanites? We see the book of Judges starting off well with the children of Israel turning to their God and asking him, which one of us should go up first? But after the death of Joshua, the children of Israel struggled with their commitment to the Lord. And so the book of Judges is a book on the willingness of the children of Israel in rejecting their God. Even after all he had done to provide for them and rescue them, they were willing to walk off and leave him and go after other gods. Deborah comes on the scene while this is happening. And so we start this journey into the book of Judges with the question being asked, who of us is to go up and attack the Canaanites? The children of Israel had already been given this land as a promise from God and they were pushing out the people who were violent. 
the, the inhabitants of the land did the most terrible things, including child sacrifice. As Judges chapter 1 unfolds, we see the tribes of Judah and Simeon move through the land, taking it on behalf of Israel. But already we see that Israel doesn't take full possession of the land, and this will come back and cause them more strife than any other issue. Let's pick it up in Judges 1 verse 19. The Lord was with the people of Judah, and they took possession of the hill country, but they failed to drive out the people living in the plains who had iron chariots. Israel had no iron chariots, and it was deemed too difficult to rout these people, but they forgot the very thing that God had told them, that he had already given them this land. Joshua 2 verse 16 to 19 continues then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers yet Israel did not listen to the judges but prostituted themselves by worshipping other gods how quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshipping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. When the nation of Israel came into the land, God said to them, you must set yourselves apart from the people of the land. He didn't want them mingling with them because of their worship of pagan gods. Israel would be influenced to take on the evil acts of pagan worship. And as they spiralled downwards, we read that they refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. God wanted them to be free, free to be loved, protected and guided by him. But the people in their desire to lead themselves ended up choosing oppression. The Ten Commandments sum up beautifully how God wants his children to live. The first four show us how to live with God and the next six show us how to live with each other. But the last six can't work unless the first four are in place. Out of our relationship with God flows our relationships with each other. And what these nations were doing that were surrounding Israel was pushing down the value of being human. And we've seen it repeated so often in history. The first thing that we do when we want to attack someone is to dehumanise them. And so God knew that the people needed judges whose first work was to direct the people's eyes to their God. We find this pattern occurring throughout Judges that while the judge was alive, the people would follow God. But when the judge died, they would reject him afresh. Judges 3, verse 5 to 7 give us, gives us some insight. And so the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hivites, 
the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and they intermarried with them. Israelite sons married their daughters, and Israelite daughters were given in marriage to their sons, and the Israelites served their gods. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of the Baal and Asherah poles. We see this yo-yo relationship unfolding. God is wanting to give Israel security of belonging to him and they want it and then they don't. But here's the thing. From God's perspective, he can see his people settling for something that removes, removes their value of being made in the image of God. And isn't that the case today? One of the clearest signs that we have become followers of Jesus is that we start to treat people better. We will even go so far as to treat them better than they deserve. And as we read these verses, we struggle with these events that are recorded in the Bible. We have families being created from two different worlds. Into this mess steps God and he raises up judges Judges were not priests. Judges were to show Israel where to go and where they were to plant themselves in the promised land. Judges were not elected or appointed by a prophet. They were chosen by God. Deborah is an outstanding leader. Her high moral character marked her life. She had great love and respect from the people of Israel like Moses before her and David afterwards. Deborah was judge in Israel for 20 years before the war and with the Canaanites and 40 years of peace that followed. The rabbinic records show that Deborah consistently was fair, open-minded, and she refused to show partiality. As Deborah sat as judge under the palm tree, the people would come to her with their issues. They would come with their quarrels and their disputes And Deborah would give them divine wisdom from God with how to handle their problems. The people didn't have a court system or a king to go to. And it seems that we have made a poor trade trusting humans to lead us instead of God. What marked Deborah's life was her great integrity. She was open, she was honest, and the people knew that. And so they trusted that her words were from God. The Bible records no rebellion ever shown towards her. And this morning, as we look at her life, we are reminded of this truth. Leadership resides not in gender, but in character and in gifting. Israel prospered under her leadership. In the book of Judges, chapters 4 And five, we go on a journey with Deborah and Barak. Our encounter with Deborah starts with a background of 20 years of Israel being under the thumb of King Jabin. The commander of his army was Sisera. Let's pick up our story in Judges 4 verse 3. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. 
During this time, we're introduced to Deborah, who is the judge in Israel. She would sit under the palm of Deborah in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day, she sends a message to Barak in Kadesh to come and meet with her. Judges 4 verse 7. She said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak is a great leader. He's in charge of the army. God has told Barak to go up to Mount Tabor in the Jezreel Valley and about 11 miles west of the Sea of Galilee. He is to assemble his army of 10,000 warriors and they're to go up to the top and wait for the enemy to come against them. Before they even take one step towards following the call that God gives them, he promises them victory. It's no small thing to be told to go to war against a savage and cruel group of people. We have no appetite for it as humans because we don't want to suffer at their hands. And Israel knew this enemy well. They had been oppressed by them, so they had first-hand experience of how cruel King Jabin and Sisera were. As Deborah relays this plan to Barak, here is a tip to her leadership. Barak says he will only go if she goes with him. His words show the depth of trust that Israel had for Deborah. And so she agrees. And they go together against King Jabin and his general Sisera, who exudes so much confidence because he's bringing with him his weapons of mass destruction, his 900 iron chariots. In contrast of Canaan's might against Israel, who had nothing like this. But in Judges chapter 5, we see a song of victory written by Deborah and Barak, exalting God. And she really says in her songs, song, you can have all of the military might that you want, but when God is for us, there's not a chariot you can make out of, out of iron that will stand against him because it is God who gives us the victory. And so we see these two armies that are going to come against each other. Israel on top of the mountain with its 10,000 warriors. Canaanite, uh, Jabin's army um, approaching with 100,000 warriors and 900 iron chariots. Israel had a plan to follow because Deborah was leading under instruction from God. Not only did the people trust Deborah, God trusted her. So often we move into difficult territory under our own plans and wisdom. But this was a call from God and it was a call that made no sense. No one wants to go to war with the odds stacked against them 10 to 1 apart from the 900 chariots. Still she trusted him. Judges 4 Verse 12 to 15. 
when Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abonam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all 900 of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Hashereth to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. The Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into the battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. What was it that caused the huge panic amongst Sisera's army? We're told in Judges chapter 5 that the Kishon River suddenly went into flood. The floodwaters broke through the banks of the river and as the water moved over the land, the wheels of the iron chariots get stuck in the mud. Israel is racing down the mountain with the Lord going before them towards Sisera's army and here they are stuck in their heavy chariots. Panic breaks out and they leap down from their chariots and start running away from Israel. And we see brave General Sisera hopping it as well. In Judges 5 verse 20 it says, The Kishon River swept them away, that ancient torrent, the Kishon. God takes part in this battle. We hear in Deborah's song that the stars fought from heaven. And when we find ourselves in a battle, God wants us to hear this truth this morning. We aren't alone. No matter how it looks, God is able to fight from heaven for you and influence the outcome. As Deborah recounts the victory in Judges 5 with her song, we're given some insight into her leadership. Her leadership style fa favoured the team approach. She recounts in her song how all played a part. She wants to give credit to God first, for without him there would have been no victory. And then she gives credit to the team. Whether it was the tribes that sent fighters or JL who played her part, she recognises those who joined in the fight. She not only praises others, but her acknowledgement of those that turned up. It helps develop them as leaders, but she also isn't afraid to call out those that didn't come. Sometimes in the moment of victory, we don't want to take time to evaluate what didn't work, but Deborah shows us that she is willing to do this. Leadership is simply this. It's your area of influence. Each of us has an area of influence. You may think that your area is small and it doesn't matter, but God has entrusted to each of us a season and a place of, worship, of influence. Great leadership is not about great leaders. Great leadership is about making other people great leaders. Great leaders are willing to put themselves out in a place of service so that others might be lifted up. Great leaders have the ability that when things don't work out, that they'll step up and own their part as a leader. But when there's a win, they'd say that it could have happened without the team and they let the team have the win. 
But the greatest lesson, the greatest lesson that we can learn from Deborah is that we as leaders must position ourselves to want what God wants. So we see this woman change the course of history. Historians tell us that not only was Sisera going to destroy Israel, he had his eye on Egypt. If he could take Egypt out of the game, then they were going to be positioned to be the world leaders. Even more importantly, in the rabbinical traditions, they have recorded that the descendants of Sisera came to know the Lord of Israel. And I don't want us to miss this. We would never have seen that outcome, but God was able to bring the descendants of Sisera to come to know him personally. We have this account open with Israel in sin, under bondage for 20 years to King Jabin. God uses a woman, a judge, that he calls to out to defeat the enemy of God, but more importantly, to bring Israel back to worshipping their God. This was possible because Deborah stepped up and said, this is what we should do as a nation. This is what we should do to follow God. Wife, prophet, judge, warrior, poet, mother. The last glimpse that we have of Deborah is as a mother of Israel. That was her title. That was what the people called her. She had a heart of a mother towards Israel. As a mother wishes to nurture and guide her children, we see Deborah wishing to nurture and guide Israel. As she sat under her palm tree, her influence affected the whole land. Her brilliant leadership was because her heart was fixed on God. May we all be guilty of having a heart fixed on God. In a time when the world was in a mess, Deborah was willing to stand for God and to be brave enough to lead the children of Israel to follow him. She followed in the footsteps of history where God's children had been living with divided hearts. The Bible tells us that each time the children of Israel would cry out to the Lord, he would lift them out of their trouble. That's what a good father does. There are times when we get off track. We look at the shiny things and we follow after them. But God keeps calling us back to following him and keeping our eyes on our Redeemer. We see in the life of Deborah how we are to lead. As we read this story, we see her response in a time when it was messy. An individual's heart who was turned towards God. We live in a world right now that is chaotic, that is full of pain. It seems on every side that people are crying out for real leadership. Lack of leadership this year alone has sent thousands to their sick beds or their deaths. Self-interested or negligent leaders have neglected the sacred mandate laid upon their life. And we are living in a time when people are looking for truth, looking for hope, looking for God's grace and mercy. They are looking for something that they can anchor their life to. 
And so Deborah's legacy to us is this. We choose to follow God. We will not walk the way of the world in devaluing human life. We choose to use our influence wherever we are, whether it's at home or at school or in our place of work or when we are online. Be the one who God has called us to be. Be the follower of God and the lifter of humanity. Be the woman or the man who has integrity. Be the one who stays the course. Be the one who's willing to lead. Be the one who's willing to say, this is the way that God has called us to, and follow him. Wise, loving, servant-hearted, and with hearts of integrity, we will lead. But we will only be able to do it if we take away the lesson that Deborah has taught us. We must fix our hearts on God. And so this morning, as we conclude, it is my prayer to the Lord that we would look at him and have a willingness, dear God, to follow you.